The Old Testament reading for this, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places, and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the 11th and 12th chapters. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel that serves as the text for our sermon this morning comes according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, 
but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, it sounds like a simple and obvious statement, doesn't it? Peter and the disciples had been following Jesus for several years, learning from him, hearing the scriptures, seeing his miracles. And so by now we figure it was pretty obvious. But obviously it wasn't obvious. Not everyone knew it then, and not everyone knows it now. The people in the crowd back then, they didn't know it. They said that Jesus was John the Baptist, or Jeremiah, or Elijah, or one of the other prophets. They thought he was a great person, thought he was one of the greatest people in history. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't who Jesus really was. And Jesus wasn't content just finding out who other people thought he was. When asked about that, the disciples were happy to spout off anything that they thought that they had heard because here there were no wrong answers. Who do other people say that I am? Well, someone thought he was John the Baptist. Someone thought he was one of the prophets. Heck, someone probably thought he was one of the greatest jazz guitarists to ever come out of Nazareth. When the question is, who do other people say that I am? There are no wrong answers. But then, then Jesus levels the question at them. But who do you say that I am? And that's a very different question. Now, there is only one right answer and a billion wrong ones. In fact, this is the one answer in your life that actually matters, no matter how many questions you are asked. Because the answer to that question from Jesus, who do you say that I am? That answer has an eternal meaning. So... Who do you say that Jesus is? It is critical to know who Jesus is and what he has done. The crowds mistook Jesus for something less than he really was. And the world today does the same thing. The devil is pleased as punch to have you confess Jesus as someone special. He's more than happy to have you say that he is a good moral teacher, a great philosopher, a social reformer. Even those of false religions, they can believe those things. And while true, none of those things are sufficient. That's not who Jesus truly is. Saying that Jesus is just one of those things is kind of like saying that Babe Ruth was a pitcher. 
It's true, but you're kind of leaving out the most important part. But as long as you don't actually believe that Jesus is your Savior, the one and only way to heaven, well, the devil is thrilled to have you sing the praises of Jesus Christ. You need to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And while flesh and blood can never discern this, God himself has revealed it to us. So many people say that they can know God just from the world around them. So often when I ask people why they haven't been in church for a while, I hear things like, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I talk to God while I'm fishing or camping or sleeping or whatevering. God is in nature and God is in my heart and it's just between him and me. And again, it is true that God is everywhere. It is true that his majesty is partially revealed in the world. But that's not enough. What if you were asked to vote for the President of the United States based on just one picture that you got to look at briefly? Would you really know what they meant, who they were, what they stood for? You learn who someone is and what they really are through their words and through their actions. Which is why God has given us more than just a vague feeling about himself. He doesn't just give us the splendor of the world around us and say, I'm sure you can probably figure everything out from here. No, he speaks to us very, very clearly. He has given us his word through the scriptures, the very thoughts and words of God himself. He has given us the church to guide and protect us in the one true faith, to keep us from wandering off into the myths of this world. He has come to each of us individually, speaking his word of forgiveness, giving us eternal life and forgiveness as a free gift, which is why the church is so important. Here God speaks to us through word and sacrament. This is where we can truly see God in action, hear his words, understand why he does the things that he does to some extent. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, Confession and absolution. These are the gifts that God gives specifically through his church. This is how God guides and protects each of our lives through the fellowship of believers. Helping each other in time of need. Strengthening each other's faith. Correcting one another. Speaking and acting through each of us to reach out to those who do not believe. And so it is good that we are here. And it is good that if I were to ask right now, who do you say that Jesus is? We would all probably echo Peter's confession. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. He is our Lord. If I asked that question of Jesus right now, probably every one of us would stand up and give that bold confession. But what if I asked you tomorrow? Or what if I asked you Friday night? Or what if I didn't ask you outright, but just watched how you lived your life to get my answer? What would your answer be then? Who do you say Jesus is is very important. But when 
Where and how do you say Jesus is? Do we say it just when we're safe and comfortable? When we're gathered together among other believers, it is so much easier to let our faith shine, to give that bold witness to the world. In fact, sometimes we almost overshine and try to belittle those around us for not being as good of a Christian as we are. But what happens to that confident proclamation once we leave the building? When we talk with friends and family who don't believe, do we hide our faith away to keep from offending them? When we hear coarse humor, gossip, God's name being taken in vain, Do we stand up for what's right, or do we sometimes just join in so we don't look like a dork? We are Christians all the time. We are called to be living sacrifices to God. Being a Christian is not just about setting aside one measly hour a week and putting a little something in the plate. We have been given new life in Christ, and that life is not just on Sunday morning. We are washed clean of our sin by baptism each and every day. God walks with us, strengthening us, guiding us constantly, not just when he comes to us here in the divine service. God's word builds up our faith. It directs our life. It moves us to proclaim his word every minute of our lives, to let it mold us and shape us, to transform us by his power. As Christians, we proclaim Christ in everything that we do. We speak God's word in everything that we do. The Bible tells us we are Christ's ambassadors. We are called to turn away from the futile and sinful ways of the world, even when everyone else is doing it, even when it's not the popular thing, even when it makes us a target for ridicule and maybe even death. We represent Jesus Christ in all that we do because we bear his name every second of our lives. We don't check our Christianity at the church door as we walk out and pick it up to be a good Christian while we're sitting in the pew. We are Christians all the time. We are called to be the light in the world of darkness, and that will draw fire. So what kind of ambassador are you being? How are you proclaiming Jesus? Are you proclaiming his forgiveness and grace? Are you showing the world that God's word is a priority in your life? Or are you telling the world that it's fine for your faith to be an afterthought, something that you only do if you really, really have to? Football season's almost here. Real football, not the preseason stuff. Do you know any diehard Vikings fans? The kind who won't miss a game, who follow all the stats, who know all the strength and the weaknesses of the team this year, who talk about them in first person, plural, we are going to do it this year. Do you know any of them who wear a green jersey and a cheesehead hat when it's not game day? Of course not. They are devoted to the Vikings, and they would not be caught dead in the enemy's uniform much less wear it all throughout the week. It sends the wrong message. It gives people the wrong idea. It hides who they are. So why are we as Christians so quick to put on the devil's cheesehead hat? Why are we as Christians, God's beloved children, 
People who owe him everything, everything we have, everything we will ever have. Why are we so quick to put on the devil's uniform, to play his songs, to teach his ways, to tell the world that he is the one to follow? We leave the church, we get hit by satanic temptation, and so often we put up no struggle whatsoever. We sometimes live lives that not only fail to proclaim Christ, but actively promote sin, telling the world it just doesn't matter because, hey, this is fun. Whether we like it or not, our actions throughout the week tell the world who we are. Are we being conformed to the sinful ways of the world and letting the devil have his way with us? Or are we transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to put up a fight by the power of the Holy Spirit and resist temptation rather than just going with the flow and following whatever our world happens to say is cool this week? Which leads up to that most intriguing of questions. Why? Why is it so important for us to live out our Christian faith? Why do we say who Jesus is? Well, we can start by giving the negative answer. We don't tell the world who Jesus is so that we can be saved. That's not how this works. We are saved by our faith in who Jesus is and what he has done. We are saved in the faith that God the Father has worked in our lives through the power of his word. Not by how well we tell others or how many we tell in our lives. Not by how well we live our lives according to God's word. We are saved by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace. We are saved because God himself was born in our flesh. Because he walked this earth, facing all the sinful temptation that we ourselves face. We are saved because he didn't sin once, but lived a perfect and holy life according to God's law in our place. And then laid that perfect life down as a sacrifice to save us. The one who knew no sin was crucified, died, and was buried for us. And he did so willingly to save his sinful creation and to snatch the world back out of the devil's hand. God himself gave his life in pain and agony so that dirty, rotten sinners like you and me could live in paradise with him. What wondrous love is this? But of course, death was not the end. God's power is greater than even death itself, as he rose on Easter, guaranteeing his victory and ours for all eternity. This is the glorious gospel message that we share with others, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by what we can do. But we tell others so that they may share our joy. We tell others so that they too can know the peace, the comfort, the absolute certainty that we as Christians have in this broken world of sin and degradation. It is not to stifle everybody's so-called fun. It is not to prove how great we are as Christians. It is so that they too may be brought to faith by the power of God's word. So that they too may live lives of peace, both here on earth and for all eternity in heaven. We tell our friends and our family so that they may be reunited with us even after we are separated by death. 
We tell our enemies, both personal and general, that they may cease their hatred toward us and we may be united by Christ for now and for all eternity. We tell the entire world, even though it doesn't want to hear the message of the gospel, even though it thinks it has no need of that message, and we tell that message boldly, constantly, all the time, in everything that we do and think and say, because we have been made a new creation in Christ. And we tell it with great joy and boldness, because even if we lose absolutely everything, our friends, our family, our social status, our belongings, even our lives, we still have the eternal gift of forgiveness, life, and salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Who do you say that I am? asked Jesus. And with pure joy, with unashamed boldness, we respond like Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we keep responding no matter where we might be. It's not just a confession that we make in the friendly confines of the church. We continuously proclaim that glorious message no matter what we are doing, no matter where we are, no matter who, how many people might be watching. We are called as Christians to be living sacrifices, giving up everything to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world, even if they don't want to hear it. Not in an obnoxious and defiant way, but by living our lives unashamedly according to God's word, standing fast in our Christian faith no matter what day it might be. And we pray that through us, God would speak to the hearts of all those around us and that they too would be brought to faith. In all that we do, in all that we say, here in the church and throughout our lives, we proclaim to the world that glorious gospel message of free gain, free grace, and redemption, that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.